Pastor Xavier Reese and today's simple truths about restoration. Love reaches out to restore a sinning brother. I am a debtor and so are you. No one has or will ever sin against me as much as I have or will sin against God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Our purpose is to restore. Hey, listen, you can blow it big time and so can I. Keep that in mind when you restore others. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. For whatever reason, Christians are expert finger-pointers and stone-throwers. But there's a difference between making a stance for truth and helping someone who's fallen and looking for help in getting back up. Today, as he continues his series from the book of Galatians, Pastor Xavier reminds us about the importance of walking in God's love. Let's join him for today's study. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 through 5. The message is entitled, The Fruit of the Spirit in Action. Paul has identified for us that those who walk in the Spirit are those individuals who belong to Christ. He told us in chapter 4, verse 7. Those who are involved in the process of crucifying or denying the old sin nature. Chapter 5, verse 24. Those who practice living and walking in the Spirit and not in the flesh. Chapter 5, verse 18. Chapter 5, verse 25. This identifies those who are walking in God's agape love and manifesting the fruit of the Spirit. He has just contrasted those two at the end of chapter 5. Therefore, Paul gives some practical examples of what it is to walk in God's love in verse 1 through 5. And we want to focus on three ways love is manifested when a person is walking in God's agape love. There are other things he mentions, but we want to look at these three in verses 1 through 5. Let me read the verses. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Three simple ways that love manifests itself when a person is walking in God's agape love. First, love reaches out to a sinning brother, verse 1. Real simple. Second, love responds to meet needs, verse 2 and 3. And then thirdly, love recognizes God's sufficiency in verses 4 and 5. First, love reaches out to restore a sinning brother. Notice first the person Paul is addressing is called a believer. How do we know that? He uses the word brethren. The word literally means from the same womb as we've made that known before in previous studies. This word brethren is one of the key words in the epistle. There's not much affection outside of this term in a couple other instances that we saw in the last two chapters, though it's found 
about 10, 11 times in the epistle. Here again, he reminds them of who they are. Isn't it interesting? You can have differences with people, sometimes even family members. And all of a sudden, the light goes on and somebody says, hey, listen, we're all brothers and sisters. And all of a sudden, it brings you to reality and you say, that's right. And everything becomes insignificant, doesn't it? When people forget that in the church, then they become almost like the world. Of course, we do a little nicer. We preface it, well, you know, I was only concerned with their spiritual life. You know, I was only being obedient to the Lord. And we camouflage our carnality. And that's no good. Notice, secondly, here in verse 1, the particular example Paul uses is that of a Christian falling into sin. If a man is overtaken in any trespass, this implies that a believer is not perfect or sinless after he or she has been born again. We all remain as fallen people. But when we become born again, now we have the ability not to sin, but we still have the capacity to sin. We need to understand that. That's a good, healthy perspective. The word overtaken means beforehand. To come upon a person without warning, taking him unaware. So it isn't something premeditated. It isn't something that's, that's catered to. It's something that just suddenly comes upon you. The Greek denotes a surprise in the very act. The idea being that of being caught or seized by sin and a person as a person was walking and then ensnared by the tempter. There are occasions like that. Now, we know that we still have no excuse because he always gives us the way of escape, but he also knows the weakness and the frailty of our nature, right? And so he is called a faithful, compassionate high priest. Keep that in mind. I've never had God get mad at me at my sin, but I have had people get mad at me. We need to understand that we are to be as our master. The word trespass means a falling aside or lapse, a deviation from the truth. Again, the emphasis hits it from both sides. It is not deliberate. He is making it very, very clear that he's not excusing He's not making it a mamby-pamby kind of love that says, oh, don't worry about it. No. Which of us as parents are not gracious and merciful to our children when there's true confession and acknowledgement of something? But when they try to flake out, we don't say it's okay. Or if we as a parent just kind of shove everything under the carpet of our kids, then we destroy them, right? Everybody knows what a devil they are, but we say, oh, no, he's my little angel. So this does not mean he or she is not responsible, right? But only that they fail out of weakness or suddenness. So they are responsible, and they are responsible to acknowledge and confess and to be approachable and to want to be restored. This is the context. This reveals that they are still sinners, and they miss the mark, due to the ongoing sin nature until the day they die. 
Every one of us have failed since we've come to Christ. Every one of us fails daily. Every one of us gets reminded daily how we're to respond to others. <laughs> but somehow we brush it off for ourselves, but not for others. And this happens when we're not walking in God's love. Absolutely. Now, Paul used a different word earlier in the letter for willful and deliberate sin and the word transgression in chapter 3, verse 19. So he's touching both ends. And he's making it very clear when he's talking about the one or the other. Notice thirdly here in verse 1 that the personal responsibility falls on those who are spiritual. You who are spiritual restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. And the counsel of Paul is of the greatest value because he is doing exactly what he is telling them to do. They had been overtaken in the trespass of circumcision by the Judaizers. He just finished talking about it. And he's come alongside with gentleness to woo them back in line with the word of God. And as he is being a doer of this restoration, he is giving them a command to do so to each other. The apostle was attempting to restore them with the spirit of gentleness, not self-righteousness. Yes, he got down serious at times, but he came along as a gentle, loving father. The reference to those who are spiritual is the word pneumaticos, those who are dominated by the Holy Spirit. Pneuma for wind, air, Holy Spirit. Ikos, every time a Greek word is, ends in an ikos, it means that which is controlled or dominated by. So when you're controlled by the flesh, it says sarkikos. You are one who's controlled by the flesh. If you're controlled by the Spirit, it's pneumaticos. Here it is. Those who are spiritual are the ones who are responsible to restore. Those who are being led by the Spirit of God, according to chapter 5, verse 18. Those who have and are crucifying the flesh with its passions and desires in chapter 5, verse 24. Those who are living in the Spirit and walking in the Spirit according to chapter 5, verse 25. Those who are sowing to the Spirit, chapter 6, verse 8, he's going to go on to tell them. Those who are mature in Christ, those who are able to distinguish between hate for sin of any kind and compassion for the one who is caught by sin. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus hated sin, but he always reached out to the sinner, and yet he never compromised with it. So I have to hate the sin, but feel compassion for the individual caught in sin. The goal and motive is to restore, not to castigate or beat down. Sometimes that's all we're interested in. The word restore means to reset a dislocated bone or joint. This is what it was used for. Now, someone has a, a dislocated shoulder. You don't go, oh, you big, big, what, you dummy, what'd you do that for? You don't do that. You want to help them. And even when you're asking, well, how did it happen? There, 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 there's a tenderness in the approach. The word is used of mending nets in Matthew 4.21 and Mark 1.29. In other words, that which is unhealthy or unsound is brought back to its healthy and restored position. That's the goal. Therefore, there are two 
It's a twofold purpose in restoration. First, to point out the error and deception and bring them back in line with the truth of the Spirit. Secondly, to restore the person back in fellowship with God and the church body. Always, always remember the word walk mentioned previously in chapter 5, verse 25, means to drop in line with the truth of God's Spirit. So it's like a plumb line. We drop the plumb line so we can get a straight line. We align ourselves with it. If we're not going to follow that plumb line, why drop it? And it has to be God's plumb line, not my own self-righteous plumb line. That they might be aligned with God, not with me. Very important. The right spirit is required. A spirit, that says, of gentleness. It means meekness, power under control rather than striking out. Having the power to strike out, but using it in gentleness to control and to restore. That's the work of the Spirit in spite of my sinfulness. The virtue is the seventh of the fruit of the Spirit in chapter 5, verse 23, by the way. It is the work of God's Spirit in and through the person, not one's own ability. It is so easy to get caught up and forget that it's God working through us. We must always remember that when that comes forth from us, which is good, it has to be God. You know, well, I wonder if it was God. It was good. It was God. Absolutely. Notice, fourthly, the perspective that is to help each person to restore in gentleness is personal vulnerability. This is good. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Each individual is to recognize his or her own potential weakness in being tempted by sin, as well as possible failure at one time or another. You and I have to have a real healthy perspective of ourselves. You and I can eat it big time, anytime. You need to understand that. The word consider means to look attentively or constantly to oneself. The context here being so as to see your own vulnerability of sin as well as how you would want others to confront you. If, in fact, I'm able to fall and you've fallen, then that should put fear in me how I confront you, right? 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, Let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. So that puts us on an even kill, all of us. Each person who is always looking attentively to others and at others rather than self fails to recognize their own vulnerability. They think they're beyond it. Rather than there being empathy and compassion, there will be disgust and at the failure of the person. How could you do that? I can't believe you. I knew you weren't Christian. That's usually and often the response of people because they're filled with their own love, not with the love of Christ. Rather than focusing on restoration through genuine repentance, they only have castigation in mind. They think that they are judge and jury rather than seeing themselves as able to fail in the very same area if it were not for the grace of God. They are convinced they could never fall. Hmm. 
If you saw an accident on the way home today, and it looked like a pretty bad one, and you pulled over, the first thing you would do is to see if the people were okay. And if they weren't, you would then try to comfort them and to aid them. Who would pull off to the side of the road and stand a foot from the car and say, you idiots, what were you guys thinking? And yet we do it in the church all the time. Worse yet, we do it to our families. Now, don't mix up when you have to deal harshly with somebody and lovingly. So I'm not saying whitewash anything and everything, okay? We're talking about a person who has repented, who, who, who is there, and you're to restore them. Very important. Love that restores from sin is confidential and caring. That's the first thing you need to understand. Love will cover a multitude of sins, 1 Peter 4, 8 says, and he's quoting Proverbs 10, 12. And in Proverbs 10, 12, it says, love covers all sins. They don't, love doesn't publish sins. It covers them. I don't want to humiliate you. I don't want everybody, to, I don't want anybody to know. Why? Nobody needs to know. Each of us should be a person who if somebody tells me something and they say, listen, this is in confidence, that will never, ever go out. There are things that I come across that I don't share with my wife at all. Because confidence has been entrusted to me. Very important. You should be a person of confidence and care. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from his there of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. James 5, 19 and 20. Snatching him out of the fire, Jude says, even. Love imparts the very... Provisions received to be cleansed from present sin. Remember Paul told the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty eight. 28, examine yourself regarding the, the table, the, the Lord's table, lest the Lord chasten you. 1 John 2, 1, my little children, I write these things to you that you do not practice sin, but if you stumble, if you fall, you have Jesus Christ the righteous to make intercession for you. He's an advocate, a lawyer for the defense. So we have that great provision, all of us, to go, confess, acknowledge, and be cleansed. Except Jesus only holds one condition to it. He's a weird lawyer. You have to plead guilty. And you have to confess, and you will be let off if it's genuine. But if you want to plead bargain, he doesn't take your case. You want to justify yourself, he doesn't hear you. Now, if all of us have that access, who are we to deny it to others? No one has ever sinned against me as much as I have sinned against God. Do you understand what I'm saying? No one has or will ever sin against me as much as I have or will sin against God. I am a debtor. I am a debtor and so are you. Freely you have received, freely give, Matthew 10, 8 tells us. Love that restores seeks for godly repentance to impart absolute forgiveness. Remember the young man in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 through 11? Paul had told him in the first epistle, turn him over to Satan, kick him out of the church. What do you do and let him in there? He's fornicating with his stepmother. They did that. He repented. Then in the second epistle, they didn't want to let him back in. He says, what is the matter with you yo-yos? Let him back in. He's repented. Now, 
this is not based on some emotional, superficial remorse that is insincere and only concerned with the consequences and not the failure. But when someone comes to us and says, listen, I'm sorry, I blew it. Can you forgive me? We take him or her at face value. And then we let time run and find out if it's genuine. I don't know the heart, do you? Unless God would give me a word of knowledge and say, he's lying, then I don't know. So I have to let time run. And not with a critical, suspicious spirit. Oh, I'm going to keep my eye on No, no, no. Because then the motive is not love, right? Lest there be over sorrow by the one who sinned and Satan condemn him and bitterness, resentment build up and the person falls into the ensnarement of Satan. We fall into the devices of Satan, he tells him, right? We have to be careful. Love recognizes believers will fail, even severely at times. Noah got drunk after the flood, Genesis 9.21. Abraham lied about his wife and said he was his sister, Genesis 12.13. David committed adultery with Bathsheba and killed Uriah, 2 Samuel 11. The scriptures are very clear as to how to handle a situation both in this area and also when someone sins against you. Matthew 18, 15 through 20 says that if someone sins against you, you are to go to that person yourself. Don't talk to anybody else. Matthew 18 applies to everybody, including me. Don't tell anybody else. Don't go shoot your mouth. Don't go announce it. You go to that person and say, listen, you know, this is what's going on, and I don't know if you're aware of it, you know. And if the guy says, oh, I'm sorry, I, I was unaware of it, you know, please forgive me. Great, you've gained a brother. Only you and him know it. Boom, it's dead. If they did know what they did and they acknowledge it, again, it's restored, it's dead. If they refuse to acknowledge it, you grab a second brother. And you go in twos. And if he repents, then only three people know. And every step, if, they, if, he, if he repents, it's minimized to three to four people. The last step is go to the elders. And if he doesn't hear them, then he's put out. But each step minimizes the amount of people that are to know so that when it's done, it's done, and it doesn't get out. And if it gets out, you're limited to two, three, four people. And someone's going to get busted. So don't go talk to anybody else. Go to the person. And then follow those steps. And when you do that, you'll honor God. Love will cover a multitude of sins, and everything will be taken care of. Real simple. But the church doesn't follow the simple counsel of God. We fall into carnality and disguise. Say, well, let me ask you something. You know, I've got this person. And then pretty soon everybody knows. And you're trying to rally up the people to kind of just see it your side. And, and, and remember, whenever we tell the story, we, we tell it from our side, right? That's why we never counsel husband and wife alone. It's always together. Because not that they're a bunch of liars, though sometimes they are, but... Um, it's just that you are thoroughly convinced from your perspective because you're looking at it from two different perspectives. So we have to sit aside, listen, look, and we take you to the Word of God and show you how you're supposed to be in Christ. And we need to hear both sides to find out where truth is and where deception is. Our purpose is to restore, not to be lords, but to restore. Peter played the hypocrite and stumbled others at Antioch. He already told us that in chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. Hey, listen, you can blow it big time and so can I. How do you want to be restored? Keep that in mind when you restore others. Love reaches out to restore a sinning brother. 
Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truth about practicing what you preach, and that includes relating to one another in love. And there's more to come from this message the next time we get together. But if your schedule won't allow you to join us, you can pick up a copy of this message, and the title to ask for is The Fruit of the Spirit in Action. We're making it available on CD for only $4. And this is also a great way to share this ministry with your friends and loved ones. So once again, the title to ask for is The Fruit of the Spirit in Action. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and mention the call letters of this station in your correspondence. This helps us track the impact of this outreach in your area. How does sin and restoration mix? That's coming up on the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com